بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار قال الله سبحانه وتعالى وقالوا ما لهذا الرسول ياكل الطعام ويمشي في الاسواق لولا انزل اليه ملك فيكون معه نذيرا صدق الله العظيم respected friends dear elders and brothers mothers and sisters dear listeners assalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of iman we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ni'am that he has that he continues to grant us even though we are not deserving of it and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he treats us and blesses us based on his benevolence and not treat us based on our own actions and we ask Allah azawajal that he allow us to gain immensely from this gathering and whatever troubles difficulties any one of us are going through in our lives we ask Allah azawajal that we find the solutions and the answers to that in the Quran and in the dars of the Quran amin ya rabbal alamin it's coming across a uh, a verse of the Quran, Al-Yawm Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum Atmamtu Alaykum Ni'mati in the very famous verse of the Surah Al-Ma'idah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Yawm today Akmaltu Lakum Ni'mati Al-Yawm Akmaltu, akmaltu Lakum Today I have completed the deen for you. At, and then, Atmamtu Alaykum Ni'mati and I have uh, done itmam of the blessing, my blessing upon you. This is the verse that was revealed in uh, Hajjat al-Wida' and if you may remember a Jewish person came and said to Abu Bakr uh, Umar that indeed you have one verse in the Quran that if this were to be revealed upon us Jews we would have rejoiced and made the day of the revelation a day of celebration a day of Eid he said which ayat is that? he said well that ayah that today is a day which I have completed your deen for you and I have made my blessing for you, complete as well. So Umar said, oh it is a day of Eid, because I remember exactly when and where this was revealed. It was the day of Jumu'ah, and it was the, uh, uh, it was the day of Arafat. It was the day of Arafat, it was the day of Jumu'ah, it's, a, it's what we call, you know, known in, in our terminology, Hajjul Akbar, right? So yani, not to say that that is of uh, actual terminology, but this is the lay people, they call this Hajjul Akbar. When Hajj matches, uh, Arafat matches up with Jumu'ah. But this is a blessing upon a blessing, nonetheless. It's Jumu'ah and it's the ninth day of Zilhajj uh, or Yawm Al-Arafah. So the ulama are explaining on these two words here, that the Mufassirun, they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word Akmala and Atamma, right? Uh, ikmal. What does Ikmal mean? Ikmal means for something to be completed after it was incomplete. Right? Mukammal hogi baat. Right? Something is mukammal, it's completed. So deen was revealed uh, through the Quran that the Quran was revealed over a period of 23 years and the deen was explained over a period of 23 years until a day came when iktamala until it became complete that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says I made the deen complete in that says iktimal on the other hand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he talks about um, blessings he says atmamtu alaykum ni'mati the word itmam does not mean that something was incomplete instead the word itmam here 
is referring to the fact that Allah's blessings, they've never been incomplete. They're always present fully. Whatever time of the day or the time of the night you can think, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are continuous, constant, and complete. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used the word itmam there. Ikmal would not be an appropriate word in Arabic for that. It's just amazing. I was just reflecting on how every single word of the Quran is so appropriate for the topic that is being discussed. The theme that is being discussed, no word can replace that. That's one thing. And number two, just thinking about how blessed we are uh, uh, through the, you know, blessed with Iman, Islam, sitting here, listening in peace and comfort, attending a dars of the Quran with tawfiq, with, with istiqama. These are just things that are just outstanding. These are blessings that we cannot appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enough for. And being connected to the house of Allah and being connected to a group of Muslims that come to the masjid is the greatest blessing we can have. There is no reason for us to be upset, no reason for us to sit there and cry and to be depressed and be frustrated, be anxious, etc., etc., all these emotions, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us to be in His house. This is the best place to be on earth, right? any house of His. And then the best time is to be at the time of salah. And the best time, at, well, the best thing to be doing after a salah is to be sitting in a gathering of knowledge and, and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can well imagine how the masjid of the Prophet must have been. How after a salah he would sit with his companions and he would speak and he would teach and he would address them and he would share with them and he would remember Allah Azza wa Jal and the Sahaba would be sitting and remembering Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's why once instance Rasulullah said, إِذَا مَرَرْتُمْ بِرِيَاضِ الْجَنَّةِ فَرْتَعُوا Right, when you pass by the gardens of the Jannah, Riyadh al-Jannah, you know what that means. Riyadh al-Jannah, the garden of Jannah. When you pass by the garden of the, from the gardens of Jannah, then graze from it. The person, he, passing, he passes by through a, uh, a, a, a orchard, a beautiful, beautiful orchard that's got all amazing fresh fruit trees, you know, all over. How a person feels when he sees that, he says, oh, just go and enjoy. Take, let's pluck off some, you know, fruit and enjoy if it's a date season, a mango season, or whatever the season it is, so enjoy that. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling sahaba, when you pass by uh, the gardens of Jannah, then graze to your heart's content. Just enjoy, right? Take as much as you want. It's endless trees, plantations. Uh, till the eye can see you've got date trees, till the eye can you see you've got mango trees, till the eye can you see you see apple trees. Go ahead, pluck them, graze, enjoy, you know, eat from them. So then the Sahaba knew that he's speaking on a, like, yani, a metaphorical way. He said, they said, oh, yani, what is the Riyadh al-Jannah? Which garden, what do you mean when you say the gardens of Jannah? And the Prophet then said, dhikr. He said, the gatherings of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Halaqa, halaq, plural of halaqa. Circles like this. This is halaqa, this is a circle here. Circles, so dhikr circles, basically. Dhikr circles. So if you pass by a dhikr circle, that's what is that? That's a garden from the gardens of Jannah. How can I or you be upset or, or frustrated or angry when right now, where are you and I sitting? Tell me. Garden of Jannah. Riyadh al-Jannah. We're sitting in Riyadh al-Jannah. You and I have to feel that. We're sitting in Riyadh al-Jannah. Right now, we're sitting in a garden of Jannah. So now that we're here, it's up to us how much we want to eat. If you sit there and you keep your mouth shut and your, mouth, your, your eyes, your hands to yourself and you don't pluck and you don't eat any fruits and then when you leave, like kids do many times, well now we're hungry after they leave the restaurant. <laughs> Why are you speaking now? Right? So this is the time for us to benefit. This is the time when we sit in a gathering of dhikr. This is the time for us to um, 
ask. And who is the one who's serving? Allah. Allah is the server. Allah is serving. And this is because why? We're at His house. He is our host and we are His guest. You go to anyone's house, no matter how wealthy or powerful a person he is, etc. If he's the host, he's going to be hosting you. Right? That's his job. He may ask a few servants to run around, this, that, that. But he, at the end of the day, he's going to be looking after your needs. So we are the guest of the house of Allah, sitting in a gathering of the dhikr of Allah. We should expect nothing but the greatest things. But on the condition that our heart is connected with Allah. On the condition that we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to place your order. And you don't place your order by an app. You place your order through your heart. Place your order through your heart. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I came here with loads of issues. Or those of you listening online, I came, I'm listening from whatever situations. Maybe you had a bad day with, at home. You had a bad day at work. You had a difficult day at, at this place and that place. Whatever it is. Say, Ya Allah, I'm so happy that my day is ending by attending a gathering of dhikr in a house of yours. So now these are my needs. Fulfill these, these, these needs of mine. And keep on asking, keep on grazing. This is the, one of the best things, subhanAllah, that a person can be gifted with. So just wanted to remind myself and all of us how, how thankful and appreciative you and I need to be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of Iman, Islam, and the blessing of Quran, and the blessing of Halaqa, of Dhikr. Uh, the previous ayat that we covered, six ayat last week, remember, this is the Surah Furqan. And so in this, in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, speaks about the Qur'an being a true revealed book of Allah, speaks about the Prophet sallallahu being a true messenger of Allah, and then the day of judgment, right now is going to be talking about today, about the day of judgment being something true and that you have to believe in. Um, and Furqan, this, this surah is called Furqan, and the entire Qur'an is Furqan, because Furqan, Quran is that which allows us to distinguish between right and wrong. Um, when people are being misled and their nafs has overtaken them, we have the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to guide us and to help us distinguish what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. So that's why the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is called Furqan. My beloved brothers, the thing is, it's easy for a person to say, I'm a Muslim, count me in the, consen- count me in the census. 1.8 billion, I'm one of them. It's nice. Easy to say that for all of us. But what is Islam and what is, uh, 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 what is belief in the Quran if a person does not follow it? Frankly speaking, if a person doesn't follow the teachings of the Quran, then what, why are we sitting there claiming anything? Our actions speak louder than our words. We don't have to sit there and exclaim anything. We have to ask ourselves, where is our conviction? How can a person read through the Quran and then after that, try to find solutions to his problems elsewhere? Try to find a lifestyle that is completely contrary to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and say, that is a lifestyle I want for my son and daughter. That is a lifestyle that I want. This is, Yani, we're deceiving no one besides ourselves. Deceiving no one besides ourselves. Because true conviction in the Quran requires, would, would it force you to lead a separate life. This is why it is important upon every single one of us to have absolute conviction that Quran is the word of Allah and this is not something that the kuffar who said, which we covered last week, this is uh, something that is uh, penned by the Prophet, something that he doesn't know, but people come and teach him. And he just penned it, he just wrote it down. 
someone dictates it to him. Alhamdulillah, we don't believe that, right? Of course, we don't believe that. We believe it's the book of Allah. Allah says, Anzalu ya'lamu al-ard. Only the one who alone knows every secret in the heavens and the earth has revealed it. What's that telling us? It's telling us that we deep down need to have this conviction, all of us, our own personal journey. You, that this is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Usually we don't speak about this. Because alhamdulillah, we say, yani, I grew up in a Muslim home. I'm a Muslim. Alhamdulillah, that's good. Well, if that yaqeen is strong, then that's fine. But if you have a problem, if you're inside you're, you're, you are not convinced, then please do the research. Go ahead and study. Come to a scholar and say, I am not fully convinced. For example, Allah forbid if this is happening. No problem. Honesty is important. I'm not fully convinced that the book of Allah is actually not been written or, uh, by a man called Muhammad wasallam. I'm not convinced. I think it is. I don't, think, I don't believe that this is a true... Revelation. If that is your, uh, uh, if that is your, um, uh, if that is your, uh, waswasa and doubt, okay, be honest, be forthcoming, and let's sit down and discuss it. But to sit there, you know, they say chupa wachor, right? Uh, the, the, the hiding thief inside the heart. Inside the heart, there is doubt. Inside the heart, there is uneasiness with the book of Allah, and that speaks volumes because the person's actions are not lining up. Today, how many fathers are dragging their kids by their ears to the masjid, dragging their daughters, dragging their kids, come to this Islamic school, come to this program, come to Funan program, and the kids are like, uh-uh. You just look at him, you look like bichara, it's like a goat being brought to the slaughterhouse. This is how it is. When they bring the child to the masjid, the child doesn't want to come. Why does it want to come? Let's sit down. Let's leave this, pull, leave, pull in his ear. Let's sit down and talk about it. What's the issue? What's the issue? Do you actually believe in Islam or not? Do you actually believe in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? Do you actually believe in the day of judgment or not? Let's talk about it. Why is this rebellious nature against who? Against the Quran, against the masjid, against gatherings of dhikr. Like seriously, what's the deal? If you actually have belief in it, why do you think that this is a... Why is this, why is this such a big burden? This should never be a burden. You should be excited. You should be looking forward. The reason is... There's that chupavachor. There's inside, there's a thief there. He, says, he keeps on digging inside. He says, ah, no, I'm not sure about this stuff is true or not. What I've been taught in school, what I've been taught in college, what I've been reading online, that seems to make more sense. So this is a journey we must all take. We have to have our sons and daughters, our children, and ourselves as moms and dads. Even though you may be looking like a Muslim, dressed like a Muslim, if internally you are not 100% convinced that the book of Allah is truly the book of Allah, we're not going anywhere. Lip service doesn't get us anywhere in the Akhirah. Dressing doesn't get us anywhere in the Akhirah. It's about Iman. ما وقر في القلب As the ulama have said, you know, الإيمان ليس بالتحلي ولا بالتمني, right? Iman is not about uh, you know, uh, uh, dressing yourself in a certain manner, adorning yourself in a certain manner. And it's not about tamanni as well, that you just have this, inshallah Allah will forgive me. I'll do whatever I want and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me. And that's not iman. Iman is ma waqara fil qalb. Iman is that which really goes, seeps deep, deep, deep down into the heart. If that iman is not present, then this is what we call, you know, just, just a fool's paradise. That a person is thinking that everything is gonna, I'm gonna enter Jannah as soon as I die. But our life has to uh, be a reflection of a person who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now school is starting, has started. People are going 
to advanced classes, AP classes, and mashallah, advanced science and math classes in college, and everything's great. People, our, our community is mashallah, very intelligent. But what we need to know is to what degree have we taught our intelligent son or daughter to firmly have the ability to believe in Allah's existence. Let's start really from there. Then the book of Allah and Risala of the Prophet and then the day of judgment. There's courses available there. Uh, you know, Islam, introduction to Islam courses, not just like about five pillars. We go right to the five pillars. No, no, wait, hold on. We can't, we're not going to go to the five pillars right now. We go to Salah, we'll do, nope. We'll take one step back. We have to focus from the very get-go why should I even be believe in this stuff in the first place? It's the first question. Yes, before we move forward, let us agree that this is, a, this is a book of Allah or this is the true deen. So you can use logical means. Let's use all the logical proofs. Take something that you want to start off with. Before I start quoting to you from the verses of the Quran for you to believe in it, logically let's work with, let's work our way about the, the necessity of a, of a creator. And then that necessity of that creator being one. And then the necessity of that one creator communicating with us. And then that necessity of that creator communicating with us through in the manifestation of prophets and their scriptures. So then you find at last you made it to the Quran. Now let's go through the Quran. Let's take any verse you want. P pick through first through 30th juz. Find a surah. Let's go see what type of miraculous aspects of the Quran are you want to, do you want to start tasting. That you want to start, you know, interacting with. There are so many different miraculous aspects of the Quran. Whether it is uh, the way the ayats are situated, the endings of the verses, whether it is um, the number, the the numbering, how many times a certain words, how many times this heavens is mentioned, as opposed to how many times the earth is mentioned, how many times these, uh, the water has been mentioned, as opposed to how many times the land has been mentioned. Right? You start studying that. Some people study that. You start studying the, uh, the consistency of the themes. You start, you start seeing very set, clear patterns. You start seeing the fact that they are words that are chosen that no human being has ever used before. That the Arabs were, in, were just shell-shocked when they saw such words being presented. When you start going into the depth of each one of those words, and even if you don't understand Arabic, you have a language expert to go and open up dictionary after dictionary and show you what is the background of these words. You sit there and you say, nah man, this just can't be man-made. This cannot be man-made. When, when you read about them, uh, like I talked about last week, about Romans beating the Persians, eventually after some years, how do you come and make such a bold statement that this can happen? When you see Rasulullah in the Quran, and Allah SWT in the Quran giving prophecies of the future, when you talk, when you see about realities of scientific discovery at the moment, which no human being, no human being had ever figured out uh, 500 years ago, much less 1,000 or 1,500 years ago, and the Quran addressing those issues. There's so many different aspects of i'jaz of the Quran. That's why there's a whole science called i'jazul Quran, which is a whole science under ulum al-Quran. From the sciences of the Qur'an is a science called Ijaz al-Qur'an, which is a science in which we learn how the Qur'an is not replicable. How the Qur'an is mu'jiz. What does mu'jiz mean? It's miraculous in its nature. Or in other words, mu'jiz means it makes its opponent incapable of, of coming up and challenging it. Mu'jiz means to make your opponent ajiz, incapable. So what does Qur'an do? It creates 
it basically, what are you going to say, puts uh, the, the, the opponent uh, in what's that? Mecca chokehold. That's what it is. That's what mu'jiz is. When you have to tap out. The, that's what the Quran is. Mu'jiz. It makes his opponent tap, tap out. He says, I can't. I'm done. Finish. If, 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 you don't, if, we won't, if we don't get you down through this, we'll get you down through this. If we don't get you down from this, we'll get you down from that. Somehow or another, the Quran is there for the most educated biologist and the most educated mathematician, and the most educated uh, uh, historian, Quran is there. So I think the issue, beloved fathers and mothers, beloved college students, high school students, is that our actions, we all know as a community, is very weak. And it's absolutely not reflective of the teachings of the Quran. It looks like there's no day of judgment coming. We got the memo, it's been canceled. Right? That's what it looks like. So why is it looks like that? Because we haven't really spent time studying the Quran. And this is one very, yeah, at, this, at this level, when we do it in the masjid like this for the community, you know, we don't make it so advanced that a person, it will go over, um, you know, uh, what you call, go over my head. And there's, that's where you have our alim program, and this is where you have years of tafsir and so forth. But I, I, I want to encourage all my listeners here, and the listeners' families, to please understand that we have to seriously dedicate some time learning the Quran to a degree where we can say beyond conviction, that this, beyond any doubt rather, I should say, beyond any doubt, with full conviction, that this is 100%, no 250%, no million percent, this is the book of Allah. That's it. And anytime I'm doing something and you say the Quran says that, I should say, Inna lillahi wa I can't believe it. I missed it. That's why it says about Umar radiallahu anhu, Kana waqafan inda kitabillah. Umar radiallahu anhu was literally standing, just standing by the Quran. What does that mean, standing by the Quran? Meaning, even if he would be super angry, but if someone would mention any verse that may have a slight implication with him, he immediately he would forget everything and back down. Because how am I going to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this verse against me? Done. He completely, like he was a, he, what we'd say, we, got, we have to become small little slaves in front of the Quran. Quran, you can take a hammer and hammer me down, no problem. I'm nothing. Because you are telling me what's right and what's wrong. My beloved friends, instead of trying to force people or make people understand what's right and what's wrong, why aren't you not doing this, why are you not doing that? We need to get them back to the basic of making them fall in love and understand the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you've understood it and you believed it, you're not going to get every... What give, I give example of when our mothers and wives and sisters cooked, uh, uh, and many times our brothers also, please, mashallah, mashallah, our brothers also cook very good biryani. But when they cook the biryani, uh, the, uh, you know what happens? They don't sit there and say, pakgini pakgini, if it's cooked or not, they don't go take spoonfuls and mashallah eating four bites. When did you ever see that in your home? They will literally take one grain of rice, two grains of rice, pick it up from the side and just take it in their fingers and they'll figure out whether it's cooked or not. That's what you need to do. I know all of you have full-time jobs, you're full-time college students, you're this and that, whatever the case may be. But spend enough time with the Quran where you get a chance to pick up one dana, one piece, one grain, one verse. Check it and see it. And when you find that subhanAllah, really there's something in this book that cannot be man-made, done deal, finish. You know this whole thing is not man-made then. That is what we're speaking about. You've heard me before many times mentoring about, mentioning about one scientist who attended one Jummah khutbah some years ago in another state. And afterwards, you know, he came and he was asking me, uh, you know, you know he, like, he was just basically acting as though he's a new Muslim. So I asked him, MashaAllah, like, you're a new Muslim? Like, where are you from? He said, I'm from Bangladesh. 
I said, if you're from Bangladesh, like, what do you mean you're a new Muslim? And he said, well, I was pretty much an atheist all my life. He was doing astrophysics. And he says, uh, you know, I was an atheist pretty much my life. Recently, uh, I, I fell in love and I started believing in the Quran. And so now, imagine at the age of 50, this, this man is taking all his music files, his CDs and destroying them. At this age. He's like, oh, he wouldn't ask the Imam Sahib, music permissible? He said, no. He said, khalas, no problem. Delete, delete. You know, the Imam was trying to be a little bit easy with him. He said, no, 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 don't be easy. Just tell me what it is. Music legit or not legit? Accept or not? He said, no, no. If you really want to know the real thing, it's not haram. He said, khalas, why the done deal? Who am I to sit there and argue, try to find a loophole? You're dealing with Allah. Come on, this is, this is crazy. Why would I put, my, I put my akhirah into jeopardy over something I want to listen to? It makes no sense. That's exactly how you're supposed to be. How I'm supposed to be. How all of us are supposed to be. So he went to the, So he, I met this person. I said, what led you to Islam then? He said, one verse. One verse. Surah Dhariyat. That's it. And the heavens. We, we, and the heavens. We, we created it, built it. Literally means hands. It figuratively means with strength and power. And indeed we are ever expanding it. Ism fa'il, musi'ah, ism fa'il from awsa'ah yusi'ah means to, has the meaning of istimrar it means we're continuously expanding it he said this, this ayah I knew this cannot be ma hadha qawlul bashar right, this cannot be the statement of a human being he says because this something the expansion of the universe was something that we very recently learned about that the universe is ever expanding there's no way 1500 years ago someone could have said that he said, I studied other scriptures. No other scripture had any mention of this. This is not something he copied it from somewhere else. Na'udhu Billah, the Prophet This has to be divine. He said, this is. Once I got this ayah, I said, this is it. The Quran has got to be haq. I have to become a Muslim. So my point is, we have to find, we all, my dear students, and my dear fathers and mothers, we all have to go through this journey. We have to go through this journey. And then once you go through that journey, what do you say? La ikraha fi deen. Uh, you heard this, right? La ikraf al-deen. There's no compulsion in deen. I'm sure you heard this ayah. But what does it mean? La ikraf al-deen means there's no compulsion in accepting Islam. La ikraf al-dukhul al-deen. There's no, expel- there's no <clears throat> compulsion in accepting Islam. But once you've accepted Islam, you have to follow the rules. Like for example, in this country, Alhamdulillah, we, there's no compulsion for us to be, join the army, join the marines, join the navy. But if you decide to join, then you better follow the rules. Otherwise, you're going to get court-martialed and you're going to go to prison and all kinds of stuff will happen. So let us make iniyah now as this year begins that we will inshallah very immediately begin to start studying the Qur'an with this intention that I want to be able to have this unbelievable belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kalam. Say inshallah. And get our daughters, get our sons, get our daughters, get our sons, get our wives, get our husbands, wherever you are listening, siblings, Get them all. This is the reason. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Why is people not waking up for salah? Why are people not praying? Why are people committing zina? Why are people gambling? Why are people indulging in riba? Why are people subhanAllah being disrespectful to their parents? Why? Because deep down, they don't believe in any of this stuff. I remember one, one sister, one auntie, subhanAllah, one day she came and she said, can you please speak to my son? You know, he's having some issues. He doesn't wake up for fajr. He doesn't want to read Quran. Fulan, fulan. You know? And uh, I said, okay. So I met him at a certain, in one of the local universities, I was giving a speech at, and, I, and I, I, I met him, interacted with him. I asked him, what classes are you taking? He said, I'm taking philosophy classes and this and that. After a while, he very clearly, أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ This ayah here, where did that go? 
uh, right here. Literally, these are his words. He says, the Quran, he said, this is the tale of the ancients. He said, this is all the tales of the ancients. And he didn't say it in Arabic, but he was saying, you know, he said, this is all made up stories. Why should I sit there? My mom keeps on telling me to read it. Why should I read it? This is stories. I mean, you have a major problem here. No wonder your son doesn't want to wake up for salah. No wonder he doesn't want to read Quran because he seriously doesn't believe in it. Right? How many moms and dads are willing to accept this, this idea that maybe my son and daughter truly have lost faith in the Quran even though they may have memorized a big chunk of it or memorized all of it. How many brothers and, uh, uh, brothers and sisters who have their own siblings or spouses who are not following the deen and, it's, and whenever you tell them, say, Choro bhai, Choro, leave it, leave it, leave it. Why is that? Because the belief is not there. Possibly. So let's, there, I have a solution. I'm not put, no one's putting a gun to someone's head and saying, you have to believe. No. You use, the, you are so smart. You're, look at your degrees. Look at all the time you spend. Just start, start spending some time with the Quran. Pick it up and say, okay, I'm going to study with a scholar. Go ask your questions. Don't go asking online and Reddit and stuff like that. That's not where you learn ilm. Humbly, humble yourself. Go to a scholar and say, okay, I am sitting here. I'm ready to give time. I am ready to give time because this is my journey. Who, who amongst you goes to school and puts a gun to the professor's head and say, make me a doctor by tonight, I'm going to kill you. Huh? Who does that? You put through 10, 12, 15 years and $600,000, $500,000 to become that. So why for the Quran, you're putting a gun to the imam's head and say, I want the answer now, otherwise I'm leaving Islam. But I'm sorry, if this is, you're in a rush, Jahannam is right around the corner. Be my guest, jump. If that's what you want to do. But don't rush in like that. Who are you, who are you, you know, subhanAllah, thinking that you're doing a favor? That we, we ask humbly, sit down, and say, I would like to take a course. I would like to take a class. I, w- I will dedicate this entire next semester. But teach me that the book of Allah is truly His. We have this Tafim program that Alhamdulillah just started now on Sunday and Saturday. You can take any of those classes or anywhere else in the country, wherever you're listening from. But just go. Go and take your sons and daughters and all of you who pay for your sons and daughters' tuition. Make this a package. I'm paying for your college tuition, but you've got to take, you've got, on the weekends you've got to study. On the weeknights you've got to go uh, uh, study Islam. From my Turkish, you know, from my trip overseas, I don't think I mentioned this over here. One amazing uh, experience I saw, uh, one, one amazing thing I saw was I met a scholar who took me to a, a beautiful masjid that had been restored. And it was originally a horse stable. It was a masjid that had been turned into a horse stable, right? To desecrate it completely. And they revived it, alhamdulillah, and they revived a seven, eight hundred year old madrasa, which was meant for the princes of the uh, Turks. And each prince had his own beautiful room. So alhamdulillah went there. So he told me, uh, he showed me around this beautiful place where students were studying. And I'm giving ideas to all of us who are sitting here how, how the work needs to be done. He said, what this school is dedicated for, it's a boarding school. We go to our um, divinity schools in Istanbul, divinity schools and other places, and we uh, um, uh, offer the students in those schools who do not have dorms or food, they have to pay for their own. We tell them, you can come and you stay free for as long as you're studying in the college. Five years, we'll give you five years free dorm and five years free meals. And on top of that, we'll take you to England to, for you to learn English and become very fluent in it. We'll take you to Jordan to learn Arabic so you become fluent in that. Everything's done. But what's the catch? The catch is three hours a day you have to attend the durus and the lectures and the, ta- the classes of ulama at this institution. You, all right, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever it is, you have to take these classes every day. The rest will take care of it. This is all we're asking you to do. We're paying all of this so that you can study for three hours a day here. 
And in order to do that, you have to maintain top-notch GPA in your program. SubhanAllah, in the past 10, 11 years, 100 students graduated. They only take 20, uh, 10 a year. Out of whom, he said, 70 are now associate, assistant, or professors, associate professors, assistant professors, or professors in different universities. They, have they know English or Arabic like no one else. And they are, they're, 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 they've got their PhD or master's in their divinity school, in their in divinity backgrounds. And on top of that, what else? They've studied proper traditional deen for five years at least. So now you've got an educated professor who's got the traditional sciences under his belt, who's got the tarbiyah as well, alhamdulillah, who can educate uh, a bunch of students at the university level. This is something we have to offer as a community. We have to tell our children, that you want to go study anything in university, by all means, we're there to support you. But along with that, you need to study the deen. If not, you will become a liability for me. I'm going to have to answer Allah on the Day of Judgment. You're my son, I made you a best professional. But if I didn't teach you deen, how am I going to answer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment? So as a community, we have to make this the norm. That we're paying for the children's education, but you couple it with their deen. So you have to take a year off to study, or a weekend to study, or weeknights to study. And then after that, I don't mind whatever you want to do. We'll do this inshallah. Make knee of this inshallah. Right? So this is what's where we will create a level of yaqeen that the Quran requires us to do. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions after speaking about the Quran's veracity that the next now, the, Quran, the Kuffar said this about the Quran, the next accusation about, the, about all of this is what's wrong with this Prophet? What's wrong with the Messenger? He eats. Ya'kul means to eat, ta'am means food. What's wrong with him? He cannot be a prophet because he eats food and he walks through the marketplaces. Meaning, not only is he not an angel because angels don't eat, he's a human being, but he's just not even a king. At least he should have been a kingly, he should have been a very, you know, uh, uh, he should have li lived a life like a king in which he's got thousands and hundreds of servants who are going bringing food for him and working for him. Instead, he's actually in the marketplace buying and selling, or looking at the condition of the public. He's interacting with the average layman. The king doesn't do that. So his lifestyle is not of an angel, and his lifestyle is not even of a king. If only an angel were sent down to him, so that this angel could be a forewarner along with him. Meaning the angel should be walking in front and say, listen, there's a prophet coming behind me. If any of you don't believe him, I'm going to chop his head off. And with his, you know, with his one, one wing, everyone dies. Right? That's what they're asking. Like, we should have this. We should have an angel who goes around and says, if you don't believe in him, you're dead. And then, we, of course, we'd believe in him because we'd be scared because we see the angel right there and we're seeing people dying. We're not following him. But instead, opposite of that, what is he? He is a human and a very humble human. Uh, Rasulullah was one day he was angry and he was, he was sleeping separately from his spouses, from his wives. Umar after many, many, many tries eventually got in to the house. And when he saw Rasulullah he saw that the uh, hasir or the um, mat, straw mat had left, had left behind very strong marks on the Prophet back and then some narrations on his cheeks. Umar began to cry. Even Rasul said, Ya Umar, ma yubkik? Oh Umar, what makes you cry? The Prophet ﷺ, he responded, Ya Rasulullah, you are sleeping. Rasulullah, yanam al-hasir. The Messenger of Allah is sleeping on straw mat. And Kisra and Qaisar, the king of Persia, the king of Rome, they are sleeping. You're sleeping on hasir and they're sleeping on harir. You're sleeping on hasir and they're sleeping on harir. What's harir? Silk. They sleep on silk and you sleep on 
mats, straw mat. This is, this is hurtful. How is this? So the Prophet ﷺ, in one narration, he says, Are you still in doubt about all of this? How dare you can say that? Are you still in doubt? I mean, this was, he was a great person, so Rasulullah also reprimanded him in a great manner. Right? And he, you know, when, you have, uh, when you have someone that honorable, then even a smallest statement gets you in big trouble. There's, why, there's a saying, Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabeen. Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabeen means the good deeds of the pious are regarded as mistakes of the ones who are very close. Meaning, a pious person well, sits there and he prays four rakats of tahajjud one day. He feels like, Alhamdulillah, I've achieved so I feel so good. I've really become such an amazing person that I prayed four rakats of tahajjud. But a muqarrab, someone who's very close to Allah, if he prayed four rakats, he's actually in trouble. Because the sunnah of Rasulullah was how much? At least eight. Eight. The Prophet would at least pray tahajjud eight. So now why did you pray half? So you're, you're, you're in problem. But for an average person, this would be a big Eid day that Alhamdulillah, I got up early one and a half hour before Fajr and prayed four rakats of salah. So when Umar anhu is saying something like this, that's why Rasulullah immediately corrected him, reprimanded him, said, are you still in doubting about this affair? In one other narration, he mentions, Ya Umar, innama hiya nubuwa wa laysat mulkan. Oh Umar, this is nubuwa, this is not kingdom. You're comparing me with ap- apples and oranges. Why are you comparing apples and oranges with oranges? Those people are kings and they're kuffar. Khalas. They have whatever they have, it's in dunya. While whatever we have is in the akhirah. In another instance, it's mentioned that um, Adi ibn Hatim came to Medina and he came to the Prophet and the Prophet said, Man rajul, who is this man? They said, Adi ibn Hatim. Adi ibn Hatim was one of the sons of the kings of Najd. So the Prophet ﷺ really welcomed him, stood up to him, welcomed him, because he knew this is another thing we learned from here. Anzilin nasa manazilahum. Treat people based on their level and what they expect. This is nothing wrong with this. When a king walks in, you treat him based on, on his expected treatment. And because subhanAllah, if you treat him in a manner that you treat an average person, it actually would require, it would be disrespect. Some person, you come, you serve food to him in a styrofoam plate, it's fine. Another person, you come and you serve him a styrofoam plate, this actually, a king for example, or a prince, would be very big disrespect. We should not disrespect anyone. You want to honor someone more than they're used to, that's fine. But do not lower the standard for someone. We try to honor people based on what they're, what they're accustomed to. So uh, the Prophet ﷺ, you know, stood up, welcomed him and so forth. And then he said, let's go. I'm going to take you to a house. So the Prophet ﷺ and Adi bin Hatim are walking. Adi bin Hatim says, Fi in, on the path, a, a lady stopped him, grabbed him. So I need to talk to you. The Prophet ﷺ stood there for a long time speaking to her, trying to fulfill her need. And then he said, I said to myself, I swear by Allah, this, he's not a king. Because kings don't do this. Kings don't get stopped by some random lady on the street and sit there and talk to them for, for a long time trying to sort out their issues. This man is different. So the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear through his actions. Uh, there was a, uh, a lady once you know, who came to the Prophet ﷺ and she was afraid. A man or a lady came and she, they, were over, they were awestruck by the Prophet ﷺ. So they were kind of you know, shaking, shivering a little bit, awestruck. And so the Prophet ﷺ told them, do not be anxious, remain calm. I'm nobody. In that sense, he spoke to her. Uh, 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 you know, I am, I'm, I am a son of a simple lady who used to eat dry meat. 
تاكلوا القديده دراي ان كاكيت كباب دراي ميت يعني يعني وي دونت هاف وي نوت وي دونت ايت هاي كلاس فود سمبل فود ذات يو يو كات يو ساكريفايس ذا انيمال بوت ذا بوت ذا ميت ان ذا هيت دراي ات اب بوت ات سو سالت اند بيبر اند ايت ذات بيلتونغ يعني ذس از نوت ا لوكسري ذس از فور بيبل هو دونت هاف ماتش ذاتس هو اي ام I'm the son of a person. I'm not, the, I'm not a king or a prince or something of that sort. When he was, subhanAllah, the greatest of all humans and all angels and all jinn and all makhluk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is the kamal. Recently one person told me, he said, I, um, I visited Nadwatul Ulama in India. And he said, I got a chance to meet Mawlana Rabi' Nadwi, rahimahumullah, rahmatan wasiyah, who just recently passed away, who was one of the, the most senior alim probably of India, in age-wise too, and in, 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 in terms of the post that he held. Uh, of being the president and, and the, uh, of a rector of, of Dar al-Ulum, Nadwat al-Ulama, and a, um, a nephew of Shaykh Abdul Hassan Ali al-Nadwi, if, if, if I remember that correctly, a nephew. So he said, we went to go visit him, and, he, and he's sitting on the chair, late 80s, early, maybe late, early 90s, and he said, I, sat, I literally sat at his feet. We would all feel we'd want to sit at the feet of the scholar. So he said, I, he told me, please sit here, uh, sit on top here. And I said, no, 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 I cannot sit on top. This, this, this sitting at your feet and right here at the floor, this is more appropriate for me. SubhanAllah, he said, listen, I've gotten, I, in this case, I am the host, you are my guest. I have to honor you. And he said, if it wasn't for my old age and my pain, the pain I feel in my bones, I would have literally got off and sat on the floor. But it's very painful for me to do that. And if you want me to do that, I'll do that for you. But if you don't want to give me taklif, then kindly just sit up here. <laughs> SubhanAllah. So he was like, he said, when I met him and I met these ulama, I realized what, what level of humility these people have. And that's exactly what ilm of nubuwa is supposed to do to you. Because the Prophet ﷺ had the most ilm and the most tawadur. The more ilm a person has, the more tawadur and humility he has. Why? Because the more knowledge you have, knowledge not of the world and facts and Wikipedia memorized, it's number one is the knowledge of what? Knowledge of who? Allah. Now that's it. فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ The more ilm you have means the more knowledge you have of Allah. It forces you to become more humble. Because you realize how magnificent, how great, how powerful, how, how unimaginably great Allah Azza wa Jal is. And you just like, I am literally nothing. The more we learn about Allah, the more we regard ourselves as insignificant. An arrogant person, he seriously thinks he can take on Allah. A'udhu billahi min rajim That's why. Because he doesn't know Allah. But the more you know Allah, you're awestruck. And you, you just feel like you're nobody. So this is the shan of ilm. This is what ilm is supposed to do. And so, dear friends, when you want to go seek ilm from people, make sure you go find people who truly embody Tawadur and humility. Truly embody Tawadur. Those are the people you need to go search, seek ilm from. And we are very confused today. We seek ilm by people who are simply well known and famous. And it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, with the Tawadur and these Sifat. So, so, big mistake the kuffar are making, or we're making today. What is that mistake? The kuffar came up with a fake, incorrect measure of what truth is. They said, the measure is that a man should be angelic, should be an angel straight, then we'll believe him. And he should have a very lofty lifestyle, then we'll believe him. And he should have guards around him like angels also, then we'll believe him. Where did you get all these like requirements from? 
Let's, oh, well, let's hear some more requirements. Or only if a treasure trove were cast down to him. He should have a lot of money. He should be doling out, just giving out cash and gold and silver. He should have just tons of guns, lots of uh, treasures. Or he should only have a miraculous garden. From which he could eat. Two things here. One is he, they added here in tafsir, miraculous garden. Yani, he's talking about like, oh, you all want, you're hungry? You put your hand, you bring down a whole ma'idah, and people eat. Who's gonna do this? Dajjal will do this, right? Dajjal will do all these type of things. So that is not the criteria of what's right and what's wrong. Someone just brings to you food. Because if you're gonna say speed of things, today we have Amazon Prime already. Within the same day, you order it by 10 a.m., it's there by 5. 4. Say it. If you, t- you tell me if you Amazon Prime was during the time of, of 1500 years ago, would they gonna all believe you to be your God? Because they say, what is this? How, this is a miracle. So this is not the sign. This is not the sign that you have a miraculous garden, everyone's eating from it. Nor, let me give you another explanation of it. Jannah is that you simply have a lot of land and gardens that you own, meaning you're wealthy. A prophet should be rich, wealthy, powerful. This is what they wanted. People like to follow rich people. Let's be honest. You have this paparazzi, you have, the, you have all these magazines, you have all sorts of dedicated YouTube channels that run around after famous people, wealthy people, rich people. You have entire, entire uh, you know, uh, dedicated, uh, what you call, ha- online social media platforms and social media handles just trying to, ded- to follow the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. And millions, look what happens when you have a wedding taking place in England. The world stops. The world stops. Remember a few, few months ago? A wedding takes place, everyone stops. Now a child is born, a baby is born in the, in the, in the king's palace. Not even a king, everything's all mixed blood. Everything's finished now, it's gone. Right? But still, the world stops. Why? Because it's a rich, famous person. His child is born. Look at your, read your, your front, you look at the news feed of any website. You'll have 95 uh, people died in a forest fire. Uh, 700 migrants died trying to cross over to uh, Europe. Uh, 500 people died by the cartels. And then that's there. And then you'll have another three, four items talking about who had a baby, who had a breakup, uh, who's, uh, how much is the divorce settlement, uh, who's getting married in which island this weekend. Yeah. All in the same page. Some of it on top, some of it lower. Isn't that how it is? So we are obsessed, to follow these type of, of people. So this, this believers were like that too. We want our prophet to be lights, camera, action. That's who we want to follow. And if he's a simple, humble person, we're not interested. And then the oppressor said, Indeed you believers, but follow a bewitched man. So anything, anything he says right, or anything he says that comes right, they say, oh, he's, he's, got, he's got a jinn on him. But this is not a jinn. And he's not been bewitched. No shaitan. He is receiving revelation. That's why what he says is right. His prophecies are right. He's not with the help of shaitan or jinns, he's telling you. He's telling you through revelation. Let's apply this to today. Ilm that we're getting, we have made this artificial, incorrect measures of how we are going to measure what's right, what's wrong. Today, if one famous person says a fatwa, that you can eat food from McDonald's and Pizza Hut, and you can f- eat food from any fr- uh, franchise anywhere in the world, because it's the food of the Ahlul Kitab. The person says, did you see? He's got one million TikTok followers. It's got to be right. Bismillah, let's go order tonight. Which place is there 24 hours open? Let's find out the nearest McDonald's that 24 hours open after, tarawi- after what you call Aisha, let's head out. 
because you found someone. I, but what are you talking about? Some random person. No, he's not random. He has one million followers. So what? Dajjal will have billions of followers. How does followers make a person really the criteria of the, what's the truth? What are their credentials? And more than anything else, who amongst the ulama have said stuff like this? You have one person, two people, five people, ten people. Still, you have a huge, massive group of millions of ulama saying something else. And you have a person who randomly comes up and who's got a huge YouTube channel and who says something. And what does our community do? It's so sad. On any issue. Brother Maulana Saab, please do not cause disunity in the ummah. Why? Because Amirul Mu'mineen, Amir, Amirul Mu'mineen, so and so, TikTok star has said so. So any 700 ulama, 800,000 ulama from all the Darul Iftas will have one fatwa, but what will say? No, Amirul Mu'mineen, because he's got a million followers and TikTok said otherwise, so you are all causing what? Dissension. You're all causing what? Ikhtilaf. You're all causing what? Fitna. You're all causing what? Division. How does, who's making the division? You have a new guy who came up, but he knows how to play with the YouTube algorithm, right? And or somehow or another, got himself up there. And now whatever he or she says is the law. And if that he or she comes, there will be no place to pray. We will all have to, you and you will be kicked outside praying in the parking lot because there will be no place to stay, perform salah in here because the famous person's here. I remember once, real story, in Scotland, uh, I think so there was Juma. they said the news, news came out that Mike Tyson's in the area so he's gonna come for Juma. someone told me this story from that area and he said that uh, the masjid was just unbelievably packed they waited it was Juma time 12 o'clock 12.15 12.30 12.45 one days are waiting still no news still no news still no news at the end because they were, gonna, they were scared that they're gonna miss out and one senior one senior alim from India was there president he was gonna give the Juma khutbah they waited. They made the whole crowd. They were making him wait because the, that we have to wait for the yani celebrity. Maybe I shouldn't have said the name, but nonetheless, <laughs> okay, he's not like that. Alhamdulillah, I've seen many different. Uh, yani he's gone for Umrah multiple times. Alhamdulillah, in the past few, in the past year, actually, may Allah subhanahu wa taala keep him strong, continue to guide him, and make him a means of getting guidance to millions of people. Say, I mean, right? So, so he, you know, subhanallah. But people saw the news that you know he's coming, so they should there. Eventually, Dhuhr time is going to end. They decided that we have to pray the Jummah Khutbah. So when they started up to give, to give the Jummah Khutbah, they said over a third of the masjid stood up and left. They said, oh, he's not coming. What's the point? Right? What's the point of it? But the, yeah, this, this is not shocking. This is exactly what could be expected anywhere else too. The idea we have such a celebrity-centered deen. If the celebrity shows up, the people, you can sell a $100 ticket to get, fill, up the, fill up the bayan. When I was in England, people were asking me, "Brother, how do we fill up the how do we fill up the masjids with youth? You're, you talk about very contemporary, good issues, but uh, you know how can we get the youth there? Should we call some famous speaker? Should we call this and then?" I said, "Listen, you're playing into that same game. If you're going to say, if you're going, if you're going to let the public know that we also abide by this, that anything a famous person will say is is important and is worthy of listening, and anytime if that person who is not famous on social media is not speaking, then it's not worth your time to come to the masjid." What has happened? We're feeding the system. We're feeding the system which allows a person, uh, which allows the youth to say, we're gonna only take deen from who? From influencers. Online influencers. If an online influencer says something, many of you sisters online know this, who are listening to me, that if an influencer, subhanAllah, decides one day to take off her, hijab, what happens? 
All the people tell me this. One influencer, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going through some issues, I decide to take off my hijab. Influencer means someone who's very famous online. What happens? You've got thousands of girls that same day taken off their hijab. Because why the influencer did that? We cannot have uh, the children's deen and the youth's deen connected to celebrities. We cannot. Come on, wake up. We cannot. People tell me all that. You'll see in this masjid, how many times are retreats we have extremely well-known people who have one million followers online. I said, no, if he after coming here becomes famous, mashallah, no problem. We should not call someone just because they're famous. Yes, if someone has got knowledge, has got taqwa, has got ilm, and he happens to be famous, that's a different story, no problem. But the reason you're calling him is only because he's famous and other things he doesn't have, that's a problem. So we are then telling the youth that whoever becomes famous, you have to follow them. And who's gonna be the biggest, most famous person in the future? Dajjal. That's it. Dajjal will be, the, will be the order of the day, controlling. So this system we have to change in our mindset. That ilm is not to be, deen is not to be taken from only on the basis of fame. So what did the kuffar say? We say, we, don't, we want pesa. We want our Nabi to have money. We want him to have gardens. We want him to be surrounded by hato bacho, a lot of people, khadims. Then we will listen. He's too humble, too simple. Exact same thing what we're doing today. If a Mulana Saab comes who's the greatest scholar, my asati, if you're to see them, you would never even probably turn around to say salam to them, I promise you. They, were, they don't have a shan. They don't have this big heba on them. Like, you know, like, oh my God, this is who's walking into their room. Very simple, humble people. Literally, they don't want, they'll sit in the back, pray their sunnah, stay there. They're not up there, the, or, you know, they're not, they're not, they don't like to be the center of the attention. I've seen this repeatedly, repeatedly in our jalsas, in our graduations. Our, our principal would say, by asatida, you know, all the asatida, please come forward. And you literally would see grown men in their 50s hiding in the crowd, hoping that the principal wouldn't see them. Seriously. Because they're like, we don't want to be in the front, man. We don't want people to be looking at us. We're just fine right here in the back. Even Hazrat Mufti Radha al-Haq Sahib, every single bayan, whenever a guest speaker would come, Subhan Hazrat Mufti Sahib would literally have his head down, just like this, sitting in the back, back of the masjid. You would never imagine who it is. Like kids would be sometimes sitting, like, oh my God, who am I sitting next to? Ya Allah. Hazrat Mufti Sahib is just in the midst of the students with his head down, just listening. I remember at times I saw Hazrat Mufti Sahib sitting in front of other guest ulama, dozanu, right? Like literally, yani tashahud position, tashahud position. And I'm like, wow, this is what you call ilm. This is what you call ilm, that you are this master mufti, you're a master jurist, but the way you're sitting in front of a scholar who is far junior, but simply because he's a guest and you want to show that appreciation. Does our community, does our youth value this? Right? So who, whose fault is that? It's us. We have to set, set, set the stage. So in the next few weeks, inshallah, we hope we will be welcoming a very great honorable scholar from South Africa, inshallah ta'ala, uh, bi-idhinillahi ta'ala, Mufti Ibrahim Pandor, bi-idhinillahi ta'ala, hopefully, uh, you know, he will be arriving uh, for a day here, uh, in a couple weeks, I'll give you details in, in, in the next future weeks, but it'll be, uh, yeah, in the next couple weeks, he'll be here for a Saturday night program, bi-idhinillahi ta'ala. I want you to come, and you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about, because he has no shan shoka, he doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, any followers, if you Google him online, you're not going to find a single, probably, single, single, not probably, you will not find a single YouTube video of his, you won't, but I promise you, he's one of the greatest ulama, right, out there, he's one, he was a khadim for decades of Hazrat Mufti Mahmud al-Hassan, who was Mufti Mahmud al-Hassan, Hazrat Mufti Mahmud al-Hassan was the Grand Mufti of, 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 of Dioband, he was a teacher of hadith for over 50 years, his fatawa book are over in 25 volumes, this, this Maulana served him for about three decades, Mufti Mahmud al-Hassan was the greatest khalifa of, of Hazrat Shaykh Zakiri, and Mufti Ibrahim was his khadim for decades, 
Such a simple, a humble person, you'll be shocked. But that's what I want you to come and see. I want your youth to come. I want us to have the interaction and understand that these are wrong types of ideas we have created. For a conference to be worthwhile, it has to have an entertainment session. For a conference to be worthwhile, my time, it has to be have a mixed gathering between guys and girls. For a conference to be worthwhile, it has to have speakers who will charge $10,000 per 45-minute speech. Otherwise, it's not worth it. These are the things that the community has made. If there is a $100 ticket for a conference, then it's worth my time. If it's free and they're giving you free food, how could there be anything worthwhile in that? And if the people are humble and simple and don't charge anything and don't want to get honorariums and don't demand it, how could it be worth my time? We have created the system. We have created the system as a community. And we continuously are making it more challenging, more difficult. So now that's what the youth think. Why should I come to my local Tuesday night tafsir, my Wednesday night dars of hadith, when there's no charge for it, there's no famous people in it, there's no girls and guys sitting together. What's the point of my time? I'm wasting my time there. I'd rather go somewhere else. So as a community, we have to make some changes. And understand that subhanAllah, don't make the mistake that the, the people of Makkah did. That they came up with absolutely incorrect ways of measuring what a prophet is and what a prophet is not. When you want to measure the ilm of nubuwa, don't come up with incorrect types of measurements. Okay, if the, 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 the imam also, people say that imam has to have, an imam should be well taken care of, definitely. Imam should be 100% by the community should be taken care of, financially. When I, saw, when I saw in England, it made my blood boil uh, how the ulama are treated there and how the imams of the masjid, both in Canada, in America, and as well as in UK, unfortunately, may Allah guide the public over there, right? Who, and anywhere else in the masjid across the world where they, uh, of course, India, Pakistan, we don't even need to talk about that. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, our people, Allahu Akbar, right? How they mistreat the ulama. But if a person, if the Mulana Saab is driving, riding a bicycle instead of a BMW, right? And he's got a simple kurta, right? And he's got a simple topi, please still respect him. Just because he doesn't have a lot of money and the masjid is not paying him, does not mean that he doesn't have ilm, that he's not worthy of your time, that he's not worthy of you sending your children to him. We have this mentality that subhanAllah, if someone is simple or humble, then he's a waste of time. We need to have someone who's got a shan or shokat, wearing expensive clothing, expensive car. Then all of a sudden people want to listen to his speech. This is not the way of our Prophet Allah says, look at how they have set forth malicious images for you. They have strayed off so far from guidance. They will never find a way back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning these are things that no prophet should be accused of. They have accused you of these things. They have expected you to be rich and wealthy. And all these things, these are, these are malicious, wrong images of the Prophet And if, if they are going to remain so, if they are going to remain so adamant on this, unfortunately, they will not get hidayah. You know what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi talked about being wealthy? He said, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ Indeed, that person is successful who became a Muslim, who accepted Islam, وَرُزِقَ كَفَافًا And who was just given sufficient risk. If you are a Muslim, and you have just sufficient risk. And then Allah makes you happy and content with what has given you. You're successful. Nabi Sallallahu another dua, he said, Allahumma zuk. He says, Oh Allah, Allahumma ja'al quta ali Muhammad. Oh Allah, make the food of the Ali Muhammad, the family of the Prophet Sallallahu just enough. Just enough. He didn't ask for abundance. He said, just make it enough. Because the Prophet ﷺ did not want the ummah to make 
excuses to say, well, the Prophet was rich and his children were rich and his grandchildren were rich. That's why they're able to follow the deen. We're not that wealthy, so we can't follow the deen. The Prophet intentionally chose poverty, intentionally chose, chose simplicity over anything else. So let us not think that simplicity is not something to be enviable or that simplicity means a person is not worthy of our time. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the faham of this Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah we will be um, starting from the next Ruku'ah uh, next week. Um, uh, let me actually, uh, yeah, um, yeah, we'll start from the, uh, the next Ruku'ah inshallah, in ayah number 10, with Allah ta'ala next week. Um, and we can take some, uh, we have, yeah, for 10 minutes. So if anyone wants to ask any quick questions relevant to our topic or something that is of benefit to all of us, you can go to slido.com, 495-5870, 495-5870. And then additionally, a couple announcements. Um, Sunday school, inshallah, will be starting very soon for ages 6 to 16, and you can register online for that. Additionally, um, uh, the Tafim program, the weekend intensive, alhamdulillah, began already. Uh, This past weekend, you can have access to the classes recordings. Uh, please consider joining the Tafim program. It starts, uh, it's, it, uh, it starts at 10 a.m. every single day. On, I'm sorry, 10 a.m. on Saturdays and 10 a.m. on Sundays. Goes till 1 p.m. We have um, Aqidah class in there. We have Sira class in there. We have uh, Disease of the Heart and the Remedies in there. Alhamdulillah, Mufti Nauman and Munafar Han Sharif are teaching those classes. Uh, it's a great way to connect with scholars. It's a great way to... Um, uh, you know, stay in the masjid on a Saturday or Sunday morning sometime with your family and children. If you are listening from another city or a state or a country, you can benefit from the Tafim program online. It is the only program, academic program that we offer virtually. The only academic program that we offer virtually. So it's a four-year program. Over four years, you will cover 24 subjects. You can join in anytime any semester, anytime you can join in and you'll receive the PowerPoints, you'll receive the slides, you'll receive the recordings and you can attend live class as well. You'll get your questions answered by our mashayikh and ulama as well. So um, uh, I request you inshallah to take full benefit and heed from that program. Additionally, on Friday night, this Friday night, we will be having Asr onwards. Um, uh, the uh, Asr onwards will be the uh, curriculum night. So all of you who are interested to know what a Darussalam Tanweer one-year student uh, gets, what does an alim uh, from the alim or alima program, what do you learn? What do you learn in alim course? Or what in, when you graduate as an alim from Darussalam, where do you find, and many of you are wondering, do you get jobs? Are they like, really, what do you guys do? A lot of people ask me that. So what does a graduate of a one-year program or a seven-year program do in life? Um, and then, what exactly are the extracurricular activities? How do you make an effort on, on terbiyah? What are the uh, methods that you help youth uh, achieve their potential? So there's a lots of stuff that will be covered. It's going to be, inshallah, this Friday after Salatul Asr at 6.30 p.m. Please join with your family uh, online or on site. And there'll be some light dinner as well, um, you know, uh, uh, shared on, on Friday night. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay, if, if, if working for online order, that, yes, there's nothing wrong with that, that's fine. Um, do, uh, do, pay, pay, these are fiqh questions. Usually I don't answer fiqh questions in this gathering, but anyway, it's simple stuff. I'll do, but but, but uh, zakat, you don't pay it as soon as you meet the threshold. You wait for the 
you choose a date of the year, and on that date, you'll pay your zakat. If you did not have money of nisab on that date, then the day you attain that amount of money, that's when your, day, your year will start. And so a year after that, um, you'll pay the zakat. Uh, I've seen, I have a very hard time respecting my mother. I know Jannah lies on her feet, but we never see eye to eye and there's always fighting. May Allah make it easy for you and make it all easy for all those who have problems with their children or difficulties with their parents. Um, you know, these are, I'm going to discuss this on the last ayah of this juz, meaning probably another two, three weeks, where ayahs comes, fitna, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how we are a test for one another. So in reality, this is a test. Uh, if you want, you know, you keep, remain, along with remaining patient, uh, you should like doing a good deed like reciting Surah Yaseen reciting Surah Ar-Rahman and making intention that the reward of this is dedicated to someone say your mother or father inshallah will become a means of uh, softening that person's heart uh, if a per, uh, uh, I says I'm, I'm a spiritual yo-yo going from high to low and the lows are relapse of my sins. It's natural, all of us are uh, gonna go up and down, but the main thing is when you go low, you have to make sure you're not involved in major sins. So we need to figure out what are the telltale signs that you're on your way to the lows. And before you hit rock bottom, you need to get yourself help. And the, one of the best helps is you get yourself into a proper environment, connect yourself with a mentor, reach out to a, an older brother, a sheikh, an imam, older sister, depending on whoever you are, reach out to someone and say, you know what, I'm going through some difficulty, can I come see you? And then inshallah, hopefully they will keep you in their company, advise you to remain in state of wudu, do some dhikr. And then if there's a specific issue, like a lot of times it's stress, a lot of times it's anxiety over something which is pushing a person towards sin. So we have to address those sources of that anxiety and stress. For me, Islam is more reality than anything else, but I sometimes feel disconnected from the ummah. Uh, maybe one way to get yourself connected back to the ummah is to make a dua that Rasulullah would make dua daily. Allahumma khfir li ummati Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam min dhambiya wa ma ta'akhir wa ma asarratu ma alanat. Oh Allah, I seek forgiveness. Uh, oh, he said, Oh Allah, forgive the ummah of Rasulullah right? For all the past and future sins, for all that they've done publicly and they've done privately. So start making dua for the ummah. Inshallah, that will build muhabba for you. Uh, when do I stop making dua? I've been making dua for so long, but how long do I have to wait for it? You make, there's no such thing as stopping. When you do dua, you're going to get one of three things. Either you get what you're asking for, or you are going to have a certain level of a certain punishment or certain issue that was meant to come your way will be averted for every dua that's not handed in cash to you. And third thing will be that in the akhirah, in the hereafter, you will get such rewards that will, for every dua that's not accepted that you will wish that none of your duas would have been accepted. How does a common person challenge a scholar referring to Quran and Hadith in controversial subjects? I'm guessing you're saying, how do you challenge a scholar who is misrepresenting the Quran and Hadith? In this case, you should resort to a scholar to do so and you should not do it yourself. Uh, how do you begin to give da'wah to a family member who isn't really interested in being corrected? The best way is that you just simply bring them to good environments uh, without making them known that that's what you're doing, without making it known to them. You just kind of plant it such that you happen to stop by for Isha, well, it happens to be a short reminder, or happen to stop by after Maghrib, or this happens to be a dars going on, like that. Any dua for a Quranic ayah for well-being of parents, my father is getting more ill as he's getting older, 
Uh, one dua we should definitely be all be doing is Rabbir Hamhuma Kama Rabbayani Sagira. Rabbir Hamhuma Kama Rabbayani Sagira. And the duas of Shifa, ayats of Shifa in the Quran, there are six ayats of Shifa. You can go recite those. Uh, one, another dua is Allah, Asallah al Adib, Rabbil Ash al Adim, and Yashfiak. The Prophet said, whoever recites this seven times upon a sick person, uh, anytime, you know, morning, evening, whenever you can, seven times a day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, will grant him shifa from every difficult, from every sickness besides death. There are some questions about rights between spouses. All of these things, dear brothers and sisters, also require us to understand that the nikah should not be treated as just about rights and responsibilities only. We need to be more invested in the marriage and where sometimes it's not our responsibility, but we'll do it. Sometimes it is our right, but we won't demand it. That will happen when a person is invested really into the marriage. So let's make dua that husbands and wives can become more strongly connected with one another on the basis of the deen. Going and attending halaqas together, learning fiqh of marriage and divorce together, right? Just spending quality time where a person is not about what's my right, what's your right. That's really, that's just, that's not how a relationship should be. Is this my right or not? Why, why are we even, this rights discussion even coming in the first place? That means this is a, this is a telltale sign that this marriage is not, it's, it's, it's not at its, it's pre, you know, um, optimal condition. And so, we should try to figure out what is the reason and address those issues through counseling and through coming towards, you know, uh, dini programs, connecting ourselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. A lot of questions about marriage as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for these sisters and brothers who are going through difficulty. Uh, you know the answers probably already. I know you want affirmation, affirming from me, but I think the main thing is that uh, me answering this question is not going to help your crisis. You actually need to, um, you know, come together and go to a scholar or go to a programs, connect yourself to the house of Allah, make lots of dua. All those who are having difficulty with their spouse, remember Allah is the one who controls the hearts, right? Spend your time crying in front of Allah. Spend your time crying in front of Allah. Say, Ya Allah, this is a test. Soften my spouse's heart and change their, the, heart, the direction towards deen, towards akhirah. And inshallah, we have hope that one day, whether it might be tomorrow, it might be next week, one day or another, this, this dua of yours will be accepted. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik jazakumullahu khairan assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh